Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 71. On this episode, I have Mark Young, the Chief Technology Officer at the Climate Corporation, on as my guest. And Mark and I are going to discuss kind of the, the future of, of ag and with robotics and, and uh, automation. So, Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So this is one of my favorite topics, man. I'm I'm really kind of get excited about this. But before we jump into that, give me a little background on yourself and Climate Corporation. Yeah, sure. So, um, so my name is Mark Young. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at the at Climate Corporation. I've uh, I've been in this role now at Climate for uh, a little over three years. I um, I've been living and working in Silicon Valley in technology for the last 21 years. Um, so a variety of, of tech companies here in the Valley from Sun Microsystems, Yahoo, uh, Zynga. I did my own startup for a number of years. Uh, so I have a, I have a pretty, pretty deep, rich technology background um, here. Uh, but I also grew up on a farm. Uh, so I grew up on a farm actually on the East Coast in southern New Jersey, we had cows and horses and uh, I bailed a ton of hay and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then when I went to college, I got my computer science degree. That's when I came to California. So I have kind of an interesting background um, that has brought me to uh, to this position at Climate where we, we essentially are a data science company uh, applied to agriculture. So we take, uh, we bring data into the, to the company. Uh, we do a lot of analysis on it and that uh, helps us help our customers uh, ultimately, make better decisions on the farm. Pretty good background to come from to as to what we're gonna, what you guys are doing now. So, I've looked at your website pretty extensively, and I, I saw some pretty cool stuff on there. And, and I actually found you through a, a tweet that I saw, and you were—I can't remember exactly what the machine was, but it was something to do with maybe strawberries. And it was a robot that was going yeah. on top, and it was—it was spraying or, or pruning strawberries or something. I can't remember exactly what it was doing, but when I saw that, that really caught my attention and said, "Man, this is this is stuff I've been talking about." with uh, just some people in, in my realm. So wh- what do you think one of the biggest driving factors? Because, you know, I, I, I see every day I see something that's uh, an article about some new robot or some new automation or, or some new autonomous vehicle of some sort in ag. What, what do you think that driving factor is that's driving that, that technology to be, to be such a hot and heavy topic right now? Yeah, it's interesting. And so you, you see a lot of, uh, of innovation happening uh, across ag uh, with respect to autonomy uh, in a couple of different sectors. And so if you look at the, uh, the high-value crops, so the, the fruits and vegetables, uh, trees and vines, you know, when you talk to those farmers, um, they have a lot of issues that they're dealing with on their operations, but always, always their number one issue is labor. Um, and it's 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 everything from just the the raw availability of labor, the willingness of of, of folks to go out and and uh, you know spend all day in the hot sun, you know it's hard work. Uh, anybody that's ever you know picked uh, anything uh, at the at the kind of scale that these uh, these growers operate, it's it's hard work. And so th- their their number one issue is, is availability of labor, cost of labor, um, and and with high value crops like that, that creates a, a business need, right? And so, uh, if you look at companies like Blue River, um, which developed a lettuce thing robot, um, you know, uh, and 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 now companies are starting to look at other things like uh, uh, strawberry picking, for example. Highly labor intensive, very difficult because you you know strawberries need to be perfectly ripe and you want know, to pick them at the right time. 
Um, and so all of these problems in, in these cases are, uh, are, are directly geared at addressing this labor problem that we have in the, in, in the fruits and vegetable space. And the, the value of those crops and the problems are, are, are high enough that it justifies the investment into, into some of these new uh, autonomous technologies. When you look at row crops, um, you know, we've had self-driving tractors in fields for, God, it must be 10 years at least now. Um, and, you know, all the way to RTK correction to, to sub-inch accuracy in the field. And so we're not far from from autonomous tractors and things even in the in the row crop space. But I think where autonomy is really going to shine in that space is, is in the in, in the management of the crop. Um, so today when we look at how we scout fields um, and, and figure out where to look and, and how to diagnose disease, um, autonomy can really help those problems. Um, so how can we get uh, better coverage of the field, better fidelity of, of the issues, um, faster turnaround time, uh, things like that. So that'll, that'll uh, autonomy in that, that space, either through drones or even the smaller autonomous vehicles that can navigate the various rows, uh, is really going to change the, the sort of the scouting and the diagnosis space. That, that was one other thing. You know, the drone technology now has, has been, and the satellite technology and all those different things where they can, you can, look down at a crop from either with a drone or a satellite and you can start measuring temperatures and different things and start seeing different aspects of your crop through uh, thermal imaging and and, and different things there. So talk to me about that a little bit and and how that, that space has really kind of grown over the past five years. Cause it's, it's, that's, that's fairly new. I mean, it's nothing, it's been tested for a while, but to have the, the level of, acceptance that it has now it's it's fairly recent yeah it's it's the that space has really come into its own uh, even in the last two years um so collectively you know what we refer to the, everyone sort of in that space is, is as remote sensing right so how can we remotely sense what's going on in that field and that involves everything from uh satellites all the way down to even equipment mounted cameras and then everything in between so equipment mounted cameras you know, your quadcopter type, type drones, your larger fixed wing uh, type drones, uh, your aerial imaging, so actually flying piloted aircraft with, with uh, cameras on it. Um, and then even in your satellite space, you've got, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, five meter resolution, uh, 10 meter resolution, and, and I'll say you've got these different resolutions. And, and, and ultimately you have uh, uh, different spectral bands as well. Um, so multispectral uh, and hyperspectral imaging on, on these things. And so uh, all of those things collectively we, we generally refer to as remote sensing. Uh, and you can even include IoT and sensors on the ground uh, in that as well. We, you know, things like your, your grain fallow sensors, your irrigation, soil moisture sensors. Um, we're working on a nitrate sensor uh, here at Climate as well. And so all of those things we kind of refer to as remote sensing. And and the it's really been fascinating to watch, you know, you know, if you take something like uh, soil testing, you know, our, our traditional soil t- test is a two acre grid sample, right? Where uh, a guy walks out in the field, you know, with a, with a, with a, with a post basically and takes, takes a couple of core samples and, and mix them up in a bucket and you get this, you know, two acre grid soil sample. Well, now if you look at what, uh, uh, precision planting launched this year uh, uh, an implement called the Smart Farmer. It, it rides in the furrow uh, of the planter, and it's an uh, electro-optical sensor uh, on it, and it gives us um, soil temperature, uh, pH, 
um, CEC uh, and organic matter. Um, and when you look at the fidelity of, a, of, of something like that compared to a two-acre grid sample, I mean, it just completely changes the game in terms of how uh, accurately we're starting to map these fields. Um, look at something like Varus. Varus is a toe-behind uh, rig that, that does uh, something similar. It takes a high-resolution soil scan. Um, and those are all implement-mounted uh, sensors. Then you move up to uh, things like quad conquers. Um, really where we're using those today is, a lot, is, is basically in, in scouting. So instead of having to walk a field, you know, I can fly a quad copter uh, and get a high-resolution image of, of that field. Um, there's a couple of companies that are stitching together, uh, you know, uh, quad copter imagery to create a pretty high-resolution image of, of your field. Um, the problem, obviously, with them is, is scale. So it's very hard to do a large number of acres. And so if you're sort of spot-checking a specific field or things like that, they're very, very good, uh, very good options. When you move up into like a fixed wing, now you're really starting to get scale. We're working with one fixed wing vendor who can, you know, that, that drone can stay aloft for like 36 hours at a time. Uh, so you're, you're starting to talk in ten, tens of thousands of acres uh, at that point. Um, aircraft, uh, very useful. Um, they can be flown on demand, um, similar to drones. And you don't have the, the weather uh, issue that you have with satellites. So with satellites, when it goes over, if it's cloudy, you know, you miss out sometimes on, on getting that imagery. You have to wait till the satellite goes over again. But with drones and aircraft, you know, you can fly on demand. Um, we're looking at concepts today where, um, you know, take a take a weather event and your crop insurance agent, right? If a hailstorm goes through and you have hail damage, you have to wait for your crop insurance agent to come out and, and manually do an assessment and, and figure out, uh, you know, what your, uh, what your payment's going to be. So if we link together... Uh, these on-demand remote sensing options like, like drones or aircraft, we could fly one of those right after the weather event and get a high-resolution picture of exactly what happened. Um, and then if you tie that together through the, through the yield map at the end of the year, you can even qu start to quantify exactly what the effect of that weather event was and exactly what the payout should be and, and things like that. So a lot of options that these remote sensing techs are, are giving us. Um, if you look in the, in the fruits and vegetable space, we're using them to do yield estimation. So I've seen it a lot. Uh, I, I saw it most recently, actually, uh, just the end of last year, uh, for the folks that are like growing pumpkins, watermelons, things like that. You know, you, you use a drone, you can actually see exactly how many uh, of that uh, of that that uh, fruit you've got in the field. You can even size it, so you can start to do sizing and, and understand, you know, how many of each size you have, what your yield's going to be. Uh, which of course helps you with your contracts with your uh, your buyers and things like that. So it's really we're really just starting to scratch the surface with these remote sensing technologies, but um, they are applying almost any which way in ag to to everything that we do, and it's and it's really starting to reduce the uh, you know the, the the sort of the manual entry, you know, the walking out in the field and, and looking. Uh, type of scenario, which which saves us time, but then it also improves on our fidelity too. We get high resolution uh, images of these things, and we know exactly what's going on that in that whole field. Now we're taking a look at at all the uh, AI stuff that's happening right now. There's a ton of AI stuff going on. Every time you read something, there's some new machine out there that's thinking like a human and learning like a human, and it's, that's you know every 
every day something new comes up. That that space in the last five years is almost 180 to 180 degree difference from what it was. I mean, it's just that is now a very popular thing. Whether you're talking about self-driving cars or or whatever that is that you're looking at, talking about semis and and tractor trailers going across country doing doing uh, self-driving uh, vehicles delivering product across the country. So the the AI aspect of ag has got to be got to be huge with with the you know recognition of of weeds and and different crops uh being able to spot that kind of stuff when they're either picking or spraying or whatever it is that they're doing how is that affecting what you're seeing out there well it's uh it's super fascinating so um you know and it applies a lot of different ways um and a lot of it has to do with data sets right so um you know i, I talk to farmers all the time they've had they've had uh, data coming off their machines for, for 10 years, easy, right? But kind of the state of the art has been to take a thumb drive and put it inside of your monitor and, and, and save a file and maybe take it back to your house and, and put it on your hard drive, right? And so the problem has been that we've been generating data, but we haven't really been using data. Um, so we sort of refer to it as data rich and information poor. Um, and one of the things that climate has done is we've liberated that data, right? We, we created a, a device called the, the, the field view drive that, that plugs into a, the cam port, the cam bus uh, in, in the uh, tractor or combine, and it streams that data off of the, of the machine in real time and then sends it to the cloud. And, and what that allows us to do is, is start amassing this data as a larger data set to look at. Um, when you start to get bigger data sets, you start to be able to apply these types of AI techniques uh, that can draw out uh, certain insights that before have just never been never been possible. And it's and it's it's fairly intuitive if you think about you know the average farmer. Um, you know, I I plant a certain number of acres. I can only run a certain number of experiments on my farm every year, right? I may I may plant three to five different hybrids. I may vary my population a little bit. I may vary my fertility program a little bit. But by and large, you know, I'm I'm just making a couple of iterations every year. But when we expand this out, we're able to look at all farmers uh, planning all different types of hybrids, doing all different types of experiments. We have a data set that just uh, we've never had before uh, in this space. Uh, and that's allowing us to see things that just, frankly, we've never been able to see before. Um, and so... You know, your CS. We're, we're now we're starting to really dial in on ideal populations uh, for a particular uh, soil and geography. We're starting to dial in on uh, on uh, specific hybrid selection and placement, like which exactly which seeds uh, you know you should you should plant uh, to get the best results. And what's interesting is it's not uniform. It's not like this is the same answer for everyone because everyone's ground is a little bit different, right? People a little bit further north, a little bit further south, have different drainage characteristics. They have different elevation characteristics, um, you know, different soil types. And so this isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, but we can take all those variables into account and let the computer model it, and the computer, the computer can give us, uh, you know, through these AI techniques, what, you know, maybe the top five uh, choices should be. And, and we can help you craft a plan uh, that's using real data science uh, to to get you the best results, as opposed to you know just uh, either you know advice from your agronomist or, or making iterative changes year after year. And, and we're we're really starting to see the effects of that now. And uh, over the next couple of years, you know, people ask me what's going to happen, and I say, you know what, 
you're not going to go back, right? In, in five years, everyone is going to be using data to, to make their decisions on the farm because um, once you make an informed decision, you never want to go back to do it any other way. That, that's such a huge thing is that the data thing, you know, we've had, we've had the ability to use various techniques to, to gather data. And one guy been a few years back told me, he's like, I have all these real pretty maps that come out off of my computer with these really nice colors on them, but I don't know what any of them mean. And yeah. he, you know, he'd been doing it for however many years he'd been doing it. And so finally he had sat down with one of our, <clears throat> with an agronomist and, kind of went through and explained it to him and started making that plan and started shifting practices from one aspect to another and, and, and kind of spreading that yield across the field and, and his yields went up and he started, you know, making making more in his field and it was more productive than it was beforehand. And, and to that point now, data is such, such a driver in everything that gets done now. And like you said, the data that you collect – now in the decision that you make now you're not going to go back to just well this is the way we've always done it you're going to look at it from yeah. your perspective and make those decisions that's right and you know i get a lot of questions um you know from from agronomists and, and other folks saying hey you know are you are you trying to put us out of business and i say absolutely not like the agronomist is the expert right they, they know the ground they know the options and there's a lot of things that an agronomist knows that we can't train the computer on but i, I liken it to this you know, imagine you're a carpenter and you've spent your whole life learning how to be a master carpenter uh, and you've been using a handsaw your, your, your whole life. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, someone invents the power saw, right? You're still a carpenter, right? You're still a master at your craft, but you're absolutely going to use the best tools uh, available. You know, you're not going to use a set of antiquated tools because you want to be the best uh, you can be. So, so that's really a much better metaphor than, 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 than that I use quite a bit to, to really talk about how we're going to leverage this technology across the, the experts that we have in this industry. Yeah, that is, is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. I don't, I mean, it, it, the farming practices that we see now are going to continue to grow and, and continue to uh, change and, and the data part of it is, is such a intricate part of it now, um, regardless of how you, how you how you get it, and especially with the way the prices are right now on, on row crop stuff, whether it's even you know even wheat and, and those kind of things, you need to maximize your field as much as you possibly can, efficiently as you can. Yeah, that's right. I get that question a lot. You know, uh, they ask about they ask me about you know farmers adopting these new tools uh, with uh, with the low commodity prices that we have, and so you know, isn't this a tough market to be to be pushing these new tools? And my response is, you know, this is exactly the time you should be using these tools, right? When, when corn's at $7, I, I like to say everybody's a rock star, right? And everybody's having great years uh, when corn's at $7 and, and, you know, whether you're a good farmer or not. When corn's at $3, every decision is critical. And you absolutely have to make the best possible decisions at every step to, to really have, a, have a, an operation that works with these commodity prices. And so, you know, data is, is just another tool in the toolbox to, to, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a look at the future now. Um, this is my favorite. I have this, have a bet here with, a, with one of the guys I work with that in five years from now, we'll be, we'll, we will be um, appraising our first autonomous vehicle. And as far as a used equipment trade in and whether it's, an aftermarket setup or something like that that gets put on a piece of equipment. But 
I think with the labor issue the way it is, it's going to keep driving this uh, automation and, and, and the robotics end of this business. What do you see happen in the next five years, and, and how far-fetched is my, is my theory? I think uh, I think you're probably going to win that bet. Frankly, um, I'm I'm super bullish on this space because it allows us to be better, um, and, and and the economics are there at a couple of different levels and price points. You know, there's a there's a company called Dot, part of Seedmaster out of Canada, um, and I've been following them. And and uh, just to give them a, a plug, if you go to seed.run.com, you can see their autonomous implement. Um, and and uh, they've got planners designed, they've got sprayers designed, et cetera. And they just took pre-orders this this just a, a month or so ago uh, for their first run of implements, and they plan to be testing on farm next season. Um, and 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 I'm just super excited about it. We've seen the, the acquisition by Blue River uh, by John Deere, um, so we've seen their devices. Um, we've seen uh, some of the smaller autonomous device concepts uh, from international brands like Scent. Uh, we saw uh, Cases uh, concept autonomous tractor at uh, Farm Progress. God, it was uh, not even this past year. It was the year before last, I think, they unveiled that thing. So, um, you know, this this space is happening. Um, we, we saw a, a, a drone last year from, from DJI that has a uh, a tank payload that can autonomously spray. Um, Japan has been using autonomous helicopters to spray for, for a number of years now. So, you know, it's it's not something to be afraid of, right? It, it's going to help us be better farmers. Um, we're going to we're going to make better use of the land. We're going to make better use of our resources, uh, both our inputs and our environmental resources. Um, and we're going to uh, absolutely maximize. Uh, the return on our investment uh, across our operations and, and do it in a way that uh, is just smart for, for everyone involved. So there's, you know, I'm, I'm a technology guy, but I'm bullish. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, really interesting to see how, how the industry changes in the next few years, because it's going to change faster than anything we've ever, any change we've ever seen in ag previously. And in the space now, I mean, every year is a little bit different than it was the year before as far as what technology growers are 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 you know what technology growers are, are really adopting more than anything I and mean, it is year over year it is be, becoming even a little more dynamic than it was the year before yeah and what's, what's happening in the climate is you know we we just unveiled our field view our our our, uh, our data visualization and insights product uh, just three seasons ago and when we first uh, when we first unveiled it, there's obviously there's no uh, historic data to compare it to, right? And so our our value proposition to customers was, hey, you need to you need to try this. Like this is going to help improve things. Now we're a couple seasons in, and, and we're actually starting to quantify the effect of using these tools. So we're able to actually show our customers, you know what, use this. You know, we 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 uh, we just quantified our seeding tool. Uh, and the customers that are using that tool are, are averaging five bushels an acre uh, improvement in yield. Um, and so the more we use data, the more we can quantify and show the effects of that data, which just makes the adoption that much uh, that much faster. So it's, it's really, it's really uh, interesting. Are you familiar with a company called SmartAg? Um, not, not off the top of my head. They were, they were on, I had them on my podcast, so I don't know, a few podcasts ago. But anyway... They've designed a 
basically to make a, a tractor become autonomous so it can be a grain cart tractor. So it, you know, it can go between the combine and the, and the uh, grain trailer and no one has to be in the vehicle to drive it. So, and that's uh, basically ties into a Canvas system and it, and it just goes as long as it has some level of, of GPS that it has. But that's available now for this season, actually, if they're selling it, this opening it up to the season uh, to sell it. So um, I was pretty, pretty pumped about that. That's a, that's kind of that first step into really, you know, having fully autonomous vehicles out there running around cutting, cutting crops. Yeah, for sure. So uh, last year, the winner of our, our uh, AgBot uh, competition was a guy out of Indiana by the name of Kyler Laird. And uh, Kyler is just a home enthusiast and, and he built uh, an autonomous system for his tractor and he plants a, he plants about 700 acres of corn every year. And last year, he planted all 700 acres uh, from the seed of his pickup. Um, his, his tractor and everything was completely automated, and, and, and he did the whole thing. And he did the same thing. He's kind of a he's kind of a, a, a lone operator. And so when it comes time to harvest, he doesn't have a way to operate both the combine and the grain cart. And so the first thing he did was automated grain cart. So it, it goes in between the combine empties and then out to the trailer and then back again and, uh it, it's neat you can you can go on youtube and you can look up his videos it's 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 we're already doing this uh you know on a, on a small level yeah i read when i was researching this for this uh this podcast i read about him and he talked about how he started doing it with uh he, he did it with his lawnmower as well if i remember right yeah his lawnmower. Like yeah yeah it was, that was pretty neat so but yeah, so this technology is all here, and it's and you know the crazy thing about it is, like you said earlier in the podcast, this this technology has been here for a long time. You know, for the past five years, we've really been able to just let tractors go out and do what they want. You know, we we have a few safety measures put in in there just to make sure things don't go crazy, and there's still a human element in there. But but for I don't know ten years at least, we've been able to send a tractor to do A B lines and 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 follow contours of land and everything else by the, by themselves. So it, we're, we're actually just ramping up what we've been doing, been able to do for a while. That's right. That's right. And what I think is really cool is you know, the younger generation, you know, for the first time in a long time, ag is cool, right? right. I, I mean, a lot of young folks and they're, they're, they're going back to college, they're going into technology and they're, they're bringing that back to ag. Uh, and, and that's just going to be, that's just going to accelerate things that much more, right? You know, a whole younger generation that thinks about things different, that has a whole new perspective on things, is going to bring, you know, their they they've grown up with technology their entire lives, right? And, and they're going to come back to ag and and uh, and they're going to transform the space, you know, even even faster. Yeah. No, it's it's gonna it's gonna take off and grow. So, well, Mark, I think we've covered it for this uh, this episode. So before we shut it down, do you have any last words you'd like to throw out to the to the people on the internet? I just uh, I just want to thank uh, farmers every day for what they do out there. Uh, like I said, I grew up on a farm. I, I come from a farming background, and uh, I love the fact that uh, we're able to, to to bring technology to them and, and really change the way we do things and uh, improve everybody's lives. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Mark Young of Climate Corporation for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you'd like to continue these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at movingironllc.com. Moving Iron LLC now has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there'll be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. 
If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything. You can still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. guests in this episode. Remember, if you'd like to continue these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at movingironllc.com. You can also hit me up. They were, they were, on, I had them on my podcast, oh, I don't know, a few podcasts ago, but anyway, they've designed a, basically to make a, a tractor become autonomous, so it can be a grain cart tractor. So it, you know, it can go between the combine and the, and the uh, grain trailer and no one has to be in the vehicle to drive it. So, and that's uh, basically ties into Canvas system, and it and it just goes as long as it has some level of, of GPS that it has. But that's available now for this season. Actually, they're selling it, just opening it up for the season to, uh, to sell it. So, um, I was pretty pretty pumped about that. That's a that's kind of that first step into really you know having fully autonomous vehicles out there running around cutting cutting crop. I read when I was researching this for this uh, this podcast. I read about him, and he talked about how he started doing it with uh he, he did it with his lawnmower as well, if I remember right, or something like that. Yeah, it was that was pretty neat. So, but yeah, so this technology is all here, and it's and you know the crazy thing about it is, like you said earlier in the podcast, this this technology has been here for a long time. You know, for the past five years, we've really been able to just let tractors go out and do what they want. You know, we, we have a few safety measures put in, in there just to make sure things don't go crazy and there's still a human element in there. But but for, I don't know, 10 years at least, we've been able to, to send a tractor to do A-B lines and, and and follow contours of land and everything else by the, by themselves. So it, we're, we're actually just ramping up what we've been doing, been able to do for a while. Right. Yep.
Yeah. No, it's it's gonna it's gonna take off and grow. So, well, Mark, I think we've covered it for this uh, this episode. So before we shut it down, do you have any last words you'd like to throw out to the to the people on the internet? Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Mark Young of Climate Corporation for being a uh, guest on this episode. Remember, if you'd like to continue these conversations,